This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every morning at 8am at UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for making us a part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. I hope that you've had a good weekend. I have. I feel relaxed. I feel refreshed. I feel ready for a brand new week. It's so important to take breaks. Like, I can't tell you how important it is. To just to take breaks, um, to have some time away, even if it's just two or three days. It's so, so important. Um, so, yes, I could highly recommend it. If you're feeling stressed, you're feeling angry, frustrated, um, if things aren't going for you the way that you want them to, uh, take a break, take a few days. It will refresh the mind. Uh, not only that, but I did actually break away from the, uh, the health kick. Of course, I'll be back on it from today, but it was a weekend of, of good food and a few drinks and and that certainly I think has cheered me up. I'm not to say that this um you know this diet thing that I've been doing has not been making me feel good it has you know I I feel so much better in myself you know I've lost a stone now in the case of four or five weeks and uh that feels great but I tell you what I've missed chocolate <laughs> I've missed a beer I've missed a fair few things and having those back over the weekend and then jumping on the scales this morning I felt it was fine. You know, the number that came up on the screen was fine. I barely put as much on as I thought I was going to. And uh, we're going to be back to it and uh, and working hard to uh, to get to where we want to be. But thank you, everybody that tuned in over the weekend. Thank you to everybody that listened to yesterday's show. Um, looking back at uh, the game on Saturday. To be honest, 90%, which is a better percentage than I thought, the comments were great. Um, and those that disagreed with me, I'd say 99% of the people that disagreed with me were fine. You know, there's always going to be that 1% of idiots out there. Of course, you're always going to get them. But, you know, overall, I think the response and the feedback from the things that we talked about in yesterday's show were overall very good. And uh, as I, we were driving back from, uh, I weren't doing the driving back. The other half drove back. I drove there. I was able to go through as many of your comments as I could and try and respond to as many as I could. But, uh, yeah, I think it was a very interesting game. Uh, I'm sure that we'll talk a bit about that potentially more in the second part of today's show. Um, but uh, certainly we've got uh, we've got some stuff to do today. Um, 
Maggie says, uh, you say that you took a break, Tom, but you did do your 8 a.m. daily shows. I did. You're right. I did do those shows. And um, that's part of me now. Like, it's nearly impossible not to. I'm not going to be able to do an 8 a.m. on deadline day because I start my shift at 6 a.m. that day. So I'm going to be doing 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. on deadline day. And then we'll be doing a show probably at 4 on the channel. So there won't be an 8 a.m. show on deadline day. There will be shows uh, throughout the late afternoon and probably... Uh, in the evening as well. But uh, what I am excited for is seeing what this team does going forwards and seeing if we can react to this disappointing draw um, as well. So really appreciate it. John, good morning to you, to Tyrell, to Benji. Good morning to Phil. Um, do I have a six-pack? Uh, no, six-pack of uh, of sparkling water uh, for my soda and limes. <laughs> That's what I've got. Uh, Rob Paul, Blackshide, good morning to you. Paul, Johnny Rich, good morning to you um martin cody diane uh good morning to phil steve uh nsw uh olawale uh, red star femi kevin Stephen, matt g uh, amira stevie wendy uh thank you everyone that's tuning in you are all very much appreciated you are all very much uh i'm very much thankful for all of you turning up so yes certainly uh continue to do so drop a like subscribe all of that lovely stuff um, and uh, without further ado, we'll crack on with part one and today's stories. We need to react to yesterday's results. First of all, Aston Villa beating Burnley 3-1. It looked for a moment like Burnley might get back into the game, but they are, I think, going to have a very, very difficult season, uh, our Burnley, uh, it seems. There was a lot of talk about them being a bit of a dark horse, um, but they've not yet been able to really get going. Aston Villa, meanwhile, looking, you know, really good. Matty Cash um, scoring and getting plenty of points. Anyone that's got him in their fantasy team is buzzing after yesterday's performance. Shame you couldn't get that clean sheet. I didn't have a good week in fantasy at all. Uh, Captain in Erling Haaland letting me down. Um, I returned to him. Um, he missed a penalty, but he did score uh, and scored an important goal. But it could have been so different for Man City, uh, conceding in the 85th minute and then getting that, Winner, uh, some real parallels with obviously the Arsenal game and the fact Arsenal couldn't find that late winner despite conceding late. Um, I feel as though that this kind of game really did highlight the, um, I suppose, the, the fragility that is football. And it so easily could have been Arsenal on nine points and Man City on seven points. And we could have been talking about this weekend so very differently. If Arsenal had managed to not concede that late goal against Fulham of 1-2-1 one, one, and Man City not scored that late goal, you know, we could be talking about the table being so different right now. It's not, and we have to face the reality of what that is. And now we're two points behind City and we're going to have to be chasing them. And, you know, those games against City this season have become really, really important. I just want Arsenal to, you know, my aim is to finish the title. Well. The aim is to win the title. The objective of the expectation for me has always been we've got to do better than we did last season. Uh, when we come to May, I want to look back on the season and go, we were better than we were last season. And we progressed as a, t- in a team in context to what we did last season. And I'm hoping that what I've seen so far is certainly an Arsenal that are something of a bit of a coiled spring and that we're doing some experimenting. And yes, I know it's frustrating for a fair few people, but uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing this Arsenal team go bang. Um, this campaign. Newcastle-Liverpool was a very, very interesting game indeed. Trent Alexander-Arnold should have been sent off in the first half. There were so many parallels between that Tommy Asu yeah, red card and Trent not being sent off. I saw a tweet. Um, I think it, I can't remember who the tweet was from, but it was something along the lines of, you know, it's much easier to send off a player that's not English. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, England international, can you send him off? And referees finding it harder to send England internationals off. We've known that from our time with watching Harry Kane get away with 
ridiculous challenges. And I think there's maybe something to that. Um, that's the way that it goes, sadly. Um, but Trent Alexander-Arnold definitely should have been sent off. And the referee, for me, bottled that one. But Van Dijk then did get sent off. Um, Newcastle taking the lead before that, of course, through a Trent mistake. Um, and then Liverpool through Darwin Nunez coming back. I feel as though the result was always, for me, I'd rather Liverpool won or it was a draw. Obviously, I preferred the draw overall. But if it was the two, I feel as though Newcastle supporters in general needed a little bit of humbling, um, to be honest. Uh, and I feel as though that when it comes down to Liverpool this season, because they haven't got that signing that they wanted, and there's fragility at the back, I feel like Liverpool are going to drop points. I feel like Liverpool maybe aren't going to be as um, as good, maybe even as they were last season, which considering they just missed out on top four, might mean they finish even lower. But... I'm still yet to see from Liverpool a side that I'm really, truly fearful of as, as getting back to that top, top level. But who knows? I could be wrong. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Arsenal, that means our joint second on seven points. Man City leading the way on nine. West Ham United, Spurs, Liverpool, Arsenal, uh, those teams on seven points. Brighton, of course, losing on Saturday to West Ham uh, quite significantly so. And they play Newcastle in their next game. Uh, very interestingly, indeed. Um, Man City have got Fulham, West Ham have got Luton, so you can expect they're probably going to pick up three points and get themselves up to 10, uh, rather impressively so. They will be at home though, Luton. Spurs have got Burnley, Liverpool have got Aston Villa in a very interesting game. Of course, we have got Manchester United, who very narrowly beat... Um, uh, who did they beat? Why, have I, why has my mind got back? Someone in the chat box is going to tell me. Uh, they scored with a very late penalty. Brenner Fernandes, Nottingham Forest is who it was. Yeah, they went 2-0 up um, through two very quick goals. And uh, then it came back with Bruno Fernandes getting a very, very soft penalty. Was it a dive? I think that you're, it's up for debate. I think there's a very good argument to suggest it was a dive. And I'm not sure whether it was a, a penalty at all. But once it's been given... You very, very rarely see those overturned. Moving into more transfer things, uh, Arsenal are going to benefit from a 10% sell-on clause in Matteo Genduzzi's Marseille contract after he is set to complete an 18 million euro move to Lazio. Uh, Arsenal will get, you know, just around one and a half million pounds uh, if indeed all those add-ons were to be successfully achieved. It's 13 million euros plus 5 million euros in add-ons uh, and Arsenal will benefit from again after of course we've seen Mavropanos move to West Ham Arsenal getting a bit more cash through the door will it mean that Arsenal use that in the market I guess we're gonna have to wait and see but that's a small financial boost for the team Kieran Tierney's low move to Real Sociedad was confirmed uh, I find this a really interesting one I know we talked about this before and uh, at length I've gone into my details as to why I don't think it's that crazy of a low move and actually I think a dry loan suits the, the Kieran Tierney situation more than maybe people are letting on especially considering he has three years still left on his contract um, but it is interesting that it was Raul Sociedad that he's moved to you know there was a lot of talk about how he wants to be closer to his family in Scotland that you know Celtic could be an option that Newcastle could have been an option and he's actually gone further than he's ever been before from uh, his homeland of Scotland so very interesting, very intrigued to see how he gets on in, in La Liga and if he can recapture some of his best form and come back to Arsenal in 24 either, proving that he deserves to be part of this, this team under Arteta or indeed with a significantly increased value. Arsenal, 
um, will be hoping um, that they can get the maximum from that loan deal that they can. According to Fabrizio Romano, uh, tweeting this literally just before we went live, uh, Spanish clubs apparently are asking for the conditions of Rob Holding's potential exit from Arsenal. He is expected to leave the club in the final days of the transfer window, and there's discussions going on about how that process is going to take place. But yeah, interesting to see where Rob Holding ends up between now and the end. Uh, my prediction was I thought he would stay um, because... I just felt as though that there wasn't the offers on the table that Arsenal would be looking for, really, with Rob Holding. His situation is is almost untenable, really, at Arsenal. He's just not going to get into the team. He's not going to get enough minutes. Um, that said, you know, with, with Timber being out, we are still a little bit short. His contract runs out next year, but there is an option to extend it by a year. So let's wait and see what happens. But there's no information yet on which Spanish clubs uh, are looking at Rob Holding, but just that Romano has let us know that Spanish clubs are looking at Rob Holding. Could Emil Smith-Rowe be leaving the club before the window closes? Was an unused substitute in the last two games for Arsenal. Did come off the bench against Nottingham Forest. But some rumours circulating on social media last night. Nothing, you know, concrete regarding kind of the sources of where the information is, is coming from yet. And I've certainly not heard anything along this thread. But I did have a couple of people message me saying, do I think that Smith-Rowe could leave and yeah there's been some interesting things about smith row being tweeted uh, i think it was on the chelsea side um uh, that have been talking about emil smith row simon phillips of talk chelsea has reported some fairly reliable stuff regarding chelsea in the past saying that smith row has been a name that's been mentioned amongst chelsea in the last few days of course they missed out on mohammed kudus they missed out on michael elise I tell you what, if Arsenal allow Smith-Rowe to go to Chelsea, that is horrific, Um, genuinely horrific. So I'm really, really hoping that that's not true. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm not going to get on and start criticising Arsenal because nothing's happened. But that is the rumour that is circulating at the moment. I hope that he stays. I would predict that he will stay. um, And that with more games coming thick and fast in the weeks to come, you know, that's going to be important to get him the minutes that he needs. But uh, Fabio Vieira, you know, coming off the bench and playing really, really well against Fulham has maybe pushed him slightly ahead of Smith Rowe in the pecking order of substitutes for certain game states. But who will Arsenal sign between now and the end of the window? The rumour mill has gone very, very quiet. I think we can all agree on that regarding potential incomings. The focus has been, of course, on trying to move players out. Arsenal successfully moving out Kirantini on loan. Um, following Balogun is expected to join Monaco in a deal of around 40 million euros, um, 30 plus 10. And uh, of course, with a significant sell-on clause, we are told. Um, But yeah, very, very interesting to see what Arsenal do and how they move in the market between now and the 1st of September. We've got today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, of course, is that fabled deadline day. Um, and then on Thursday, we've got the Champions League draw as well, which is going to be very exciting indeed. It's taking place, I think, later on in the day. Um, and uh, Thursday evening is, of course, Charles Watts's book launch event. So we might not have an immediate reaction on the channel to the draw, but uh, certainly it's going to be very interesting indeed to see who Arsenal end up getting. And, of course, who Arsenal might get from a transfer perspective as well. So let's jump into the chat box in part two, tackle your questions and see how many we can get through in the next however many minutes we go for. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Right then, uh, let's jump into the chat um, and see what question marks we've got from you guys. Um, Cass says, I will be annoyed if Smith or leaves because he should be playing instead of Havertz. In my opinion, that's an opinion that I've seen plenty of people talking about. And, you know, when Havertz has a game like he did yesterday, you know, it's difficult to, to come up with an argument against that. Uh, Ray Beam says, Vieira suddenly looked good, way better than Kai did uh, on uh, Saturday, I would agree. And I said, if I could play the game again, based upon what I saw, I think, you know, you'd start Fabio Vieira. Um, if we were going into a game against a lower uh, kind of half of the table opposition, I probably would be starting Vieira over Havertz. But, you know, with Manchester United this weekend, I'm wanting to see Parse and Rice in the midfield. Um, Guna Lad says, Smith Rowe looks sharp in pre-season, yet he can't get a sniff. Shake my head, fingers crossed. He stays. Um, yeah, I suppose the last two games has the game state warranted with Fabio Vieira coming on um, instead of him. It was always going to be a toss-up, I suppose, between Smith-Rowe and, and Vieira. I suppose you could have taken off Martinelli for Smith-Rowe, but Martinelli was looking dangerous at times. His execution was a little bit in question, was Martinelli. But uh, yeah, difficult one. I really enjoyed what I saw from Fabio. Really loved the passing, the dynamic runs that won the penalty. It was really, really impressive when... He came off the bench. Um, Louis says, uh, Tom, uh, why wasn't Leno catching the ball on the edge of the box um, looked into? Or if it was, why wasn't it shown or talked about at the time stopping a goal-scoring opportunity as a potential red? It was. I think that there was. it was checked and um, he was deemed to have been inside the box. So it just kind of was moved on quickly from. But I understand why we would like to see more clarification around instances like that where we've not seen other replays, uh, it was very close, um, but clearly it was checked and deemed not to be an issue. Now, Adam says, I understand Arteta's trying new tactics. Our best tactics fell short last year, and since Man City strengthened with Guardiola and Kovacic, potentially Doku, we expect to be joining very soon, and maybe Nunez as well, uh, it's going to take something special to beat them. Um, and this is the thing, like, I think there's almost been a feeling that the expectation is Arsenal, you know, if we don't win every single game this season, it's going to create a big negative swirl of, of opinions. And, you know, at the weekend, I was 
utterly disappointed. You know, if you were in the room with me, I wasn't obviously at the ground working where I'm usually a lot more subdued. But when I watch games and I'm not working, <laughs> I'm a lot more emotional. And certainly I was fuming with the result and the fact that we had allowed ourselves to drop that lead and uh, weren't able ultimately to take the chance at the end of the game and miss the amount of chances that we did throughout the game. I was gutted. Um but uh, it's all about, for me, evolving as, as a team. And I know that everyone doesn't agree with me on that, and that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. But for me, it's always going to be about taking this team to the next level. And you have to make some tweaks to be able to do that. You have to tweak things from game to game. And, you know, we asked Arteta to be better with the rotation. And we can't criticize him when he starts rotating this season. He needs to learn how to do it. And he'll be perfect from the... Um, let's wait. Um, but I think that, you know, there's real potential for this team to explore something special again, even to a higher degree than we've got last season. So, yeah, let's let's see what ends up happening. Uh, Maggi says, I'm really hoping that Edu and Arteta are working in the shadows. I think we need a timber replacement. I will be disappointed if Arsenal don't sign anybody now in the end of the window. You know, I think that we have to bring somebody in, especially in the defensive area. For me, that priority. I'd love if we could bring a forward in as well, specifically one in a wide role. Right, you know, seeing Kudus go to West Ham, it's, it sucks because I think it was a really accessible signing for Arsenal. And, I, you know, usually I can come up with good arguments and can debate with people why we didn't sign somebody. Kudus is one I really struggle with. It's numbers. You know, we weren't able to move out players quick enough before moving for him. But you know, it's, for me, still really, really, really disappointing. Um, Amira says, surely three Weeks led to panic about game time. Who predicted Kivior starting a game by now, but not Gabby or Vieira and the substitutes that saved us on Sunday? Uh, just wait till fixture congestion starts. I think that's really important. You know, at the moment, we've got one game a week. And after the international break, games start coming thick and fast as the Carabao Cup starts, as Champions League starts. And we are going to see more rotation. And I'll see more rotation. Um, but yeah, I'm not worried about minutes for certain players yet. Right. We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay. Okay, we should be back. We should be back. Hopefully, we're fine. The thing is, right, I've used different microphones for the last... I've used different microphones for the last two shows, and both microphones are saying that this is going robotic. Now, it can't be a microphone problem because the different microphones I'm using are still having this issue. So it has to be something with either the driver in the laptop or StreamYard, because I'm not having any issues on any other platform. You know, it's only StreamYard. So very, very, uh, we say like we want the other mic. You know, the other mic I used yesterday, and it was also an issue. Like These are very expensive microphones. I don't really get what's going on. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Maybe I'll have to get a different converter, because um, at the moment I have to use a different conversion because they're both USBs. But yeah, very, very, very frustrating. But it is what it is. Um, it's not. It's not the uh, the microphones. Could be the cables. I don't know. But uh, we're back. I'm just checking back now in the chat how long that was going on for. Two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, about three and a half minutes. Okay. Well, uh, you've got robot Tom for three and a half minutes in this show. Apologies for that. Streamyard really doesn't like us. I'm going to get and speak to them about this because it is kind of silly anyway uh where was i i was talking about something stats you know i was talking about stats um i think that i think when it comes to statistics as i said as you were probably hearing me talk in a dalek voice um they're there to support a view they are there to um i think provide a wider view you know you can't watch 
everything. You can't see everything. You know, we talk about the eye test is what's most important. But the eye test is biased. The eye test ultimately will see what some people want to see. If you have a view going into a game, it's most likely that, you know, um, you're going to see what you want to see in some regards. I know that when I put out the the article on Havertz's performance, it surprised a lot of people because we used graphics. So it's not just statistics, but it was graphics from the game and showing people what Havertz did. And a lot of people were surprised by what they saw because they probably went into the game so far disappointed with what Havertz brought and therefore didn't see what Havertz did. Um, and I think that's a disappointment at times, but that is the reality. You can't see everything. Um, you know, at the end of the day, statistics are really good for providing a wider view. And I do find that those that are completely dismissive of statistics, you know, are usually the most stubborn amongst us. And, you know, I used to be like that back in the day. I hated it when people would tweet me back at like a statistic that proved my point wrong. So I didn't like being wrong. Hate being wrong. But I have been wrong plenty of times. But thankfully, you know, I felt I used statistics and we use statistics to help um, give ourselves a wider view. But not everyone's a fan of them. I, I find personally that they tend to be the people that find it harder to, to hold your hands up, usually. Just my opinion. <laughs> it's just an opinion. Uh, DJN says, Tom, what is Havertz's role in the team? Attacking middle, second striker. I think he's getting criticized because we don't know the role Arteta wants him to play. I don't get this personally. I think that his role is really um I think it, I think that his role is really defined in Arteta's system. His role is clearly when playing as an eight with Erdegaard to be somebody that's meant to get in the box more than I think that he has done. I think that he's not done that to the highest degree that he can do. It's to be really strong out of possession, which he has been in the first two games and to some degree in the third game as well. You know, create chances, which he has also done. You think about the chance he created for Martinelli. You think about the goal, the goal that he assisted that was sadly offside for Erdegaard uh, in the last game. Um, I think all of those things have ultimately led us to to be in a position whereby I understand what Arteta wants from Havertz. And then in certain games, he goes up top to be a bit of a target man. And when he's a target man, we know that he can be really important like he was at the end of the Crystal Palace game and like he was at times during the Manchester City Community Shield game. So I think the, def- the role is actually quite well defined. Um, just because you're using a player in more than one position doesn't mean that Arteta doesn't know the role. Um, I think that it's more to do with the fact that we don't know, uh, or rather a, a percentage of supporters don't necessarily see what he's trying to use it for, which I think is what you're saying, Dijan, to be fair, um, is that I think a lot of people don't really see what he's being asked to do yet. And I think that will come with time. Um, let's go to uh Phil says if Partey starts in midfield who would you put on the right to match up against Rashford Benny Blanco or Tommy oh Benny Blanco without a doubt you know Ben White has to be has to start on the right hand side against Man United you know we have to see that happen and hopefully we will see that happen um might as I've said before I want the back four to be White silly but Gabriel Zinchenko and then Partey and Rice in the middle I think that has to be the team for the Man United I don't want to see Havertz starting against Man United and if he does start, I hope he proves me wrong, but I don't want to see Havertz starting against Man United at the weekend. Um, let's. We don't need to shout in the chat box. You know, I rarely read out, if any, ever comments that are just capital letters, by the way. Uh, Benji says, Tom, everything you describe for Havertz's role is what Smith-Rowe does. And I don't think Smith-Rowe is a target man, Benji, to be honest. I don't think I'd put him up at the top at the end of games to hold the ball up uh, to win those tackles. Smith-Rowe defensively, 
You know, I've always had question marks about Smith Rowe defensively in that left eight role. So I don't think I don't think I agree with you, Benji. No, I don't think Smith Rowe does what Havertz has done in that left eight role. I think what Smith Rowe can do better than Havertz is your direct runs better on the ball when he receives that pass in that left half space. He's really good at spinning and turning and driving into those creative areas um, to take on opportunities. I think he's got more confidence on the ball than Havertz does right now. So I think that there are very big differences between the two players, especially out of possession. But uh, ultimately, I think Smith Rowe does need to be given more chances than he is right now. Um, Let's go to <laughs> G6. Tom, have you checked Boise's Bakery? It's still open for business since you started your diet. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, no, I genuinely haven't been down there for quite some time uh, since I started. I haven't actually been in there since I started the diet. It's a bakery down in our local. It's um, certainly one to go to if you're in the Medway area. It's very, very good. But no, I've not been in there at all um, since I started this diet. And that has certainly been a big, big factor. It used to be... Um, I would I'd do such a cheat where I'd like trying to on my Strava be like doing a walk, going out for like, you know, whatever it is, 5K. Um, halfway of the 5K is the bakery. <laughs> Shows you how much I was failing at a better diet. So there you go. Um, let's go to, um, let's go to iGrosses. Is there something more to Gabrielle's omission or is it just tactical? I personally think it's just tactical. That's what we're being told. And that's what I can go off. I know that there's been suggestions that the agent is a problem. And whilst these links with Saudi continue and whilst maybe they're drum, trying to drum up interest, I don't know if that's true. I know that's been suggested by some. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Um, I personally just think it's tactical right now. And he's sadly paid the price. He's the victim in this change um, as well. So, yeah, let's uh, let's see. Um, let's see if, if things do end up. Um, changing for Gabriel in that game against Man United. I hope that they end up doing them, uh, John. It is indeed still a walk. It still counts. Um, Cody says, Tom, is the Ashburn Army still attending games? The atmosphere seems a lot different at home. Well, I was at the Nottingham Forest game and then some of them were there. I think their allocation has been cut down um, this season, but the atmosphere when I was at the Forest game was not the same as it was last season. I wasn't at the game at the weekend, so I can't speak on that personally. Um, but I'll hopefully we'll be at the game this weekend and and I can report back and see what the uh see what it's like. Um let's go to Marcus says, so who do we sell and for how much? Well, uh if we are gonna sell anyone, I think the most obvious candidate is Rob Holding, um, alongside somebody like potentially Nicolas Pepe. There's still question marks about Nicolas Pepe. Nuno Tavares, I think, is obviously another player um, that you have to look to and think if you're going to get a decent figure, Nuno Tavares is probably going to be one of those as well. Um, and Sambi Lukonga is, of course, the other one too. So let's wait and see. Um, let's wait and see if if any of those get us any good figures between now and the end of the season. Uh, Jesus' left leg says, Tom Wires, uh, Arteta sacrificed the winning formula, in my opinion. I think it's a case of maybe taking one step back to take two steps forwards. Um, I've talked about this before. If you stand still, if you do the same thing that you've always done, you will eventually sadly go backwards. And I think that Arsenal need to evolve from last season. We need to take our game to another level. We need to be more malleable. We need to be more changeable. And we need to be in a position whereby we can tweak things between game to game and use as much of the squad as feasibly possible. And to do that, we are going to have to make changes that people aren't going to like immediately. 
Um, so the winning formula worked for a certain amount of time, but it didn't work against West Ham away. It then didn't work against Southampton. It didn't work against Brentford. It didn't work uh, against Brighton at home. It didn't work at Forest away. You know, we talk about being a winning formula, and yes, that Saliba was absent for a lot of those games, but we can't be so reliant upon one centre-back. You know, you need to have a system that can be you know, let's let's face it, you could swap out Gabriel for Saliba potentially in the system that we currently use right now. Uh, and we did do that at the end of last season, to be fair. But obviously, we've got some different personnel like Rice, like Havertz uh, coming into the team. Hopefully, we add another player between now and the end of the season as well. I hope that we see, um, you know, I really hope that we see some some improvement. And I think that the numbers suggest to me that there is still improvements. If the statistics were saying to me that we were underperforming last year's average, I would have some serious concerns. But the problem is, is that the statistics of those three games that we've had currently show that we are outperforming last season's average. So something must be doing going right. And for me, the only two, the biggest two issues with the team right now is that a lack of clinical finishing, that we need to be better in finishing our chances, and we need to eradicate these silly mistakes. Get rid of those two things, you know, address those two things. And I, I think things are very, very, very different. You know, if Saka doesn't make that pass, uh, if we don't, if we're not so vulnerable from that corner against Forest, you know, we can see two less goals. We could, we pick up two extra points. And if we can be more clinical, you know, if Nketi scores that goal against Palace, we maybe we win by uh, more goals than we did if Saka scores his header, if Kivior gets his foot on the ball, if Havertz gets his shot on target, if Martinelli has two better opportunities, it takes those opportunities better than he had, uh, if Vieira can get a little bit more left distance on his long-range strike, you know, we might be talking about things very differently. You know, we probably would be talking about things very differently. And I think it's just those two things for me. It's mistakes and finishing. They're the two things that I think are the difference between us being on seven and nine points. Um, it's, I don't look at the system as being the reason why we're not on nine points. I look at those two things way more than the uh, than the system personally. But it's just my opinion, and and I think that that's not going to be able to be verified until we see more games, until we get further through the season. So there's no conclusions to be made, you know, conclusively. You know, it's just my opinion that finishing and and uh, and mistakes are the two key reasons where some people think that it's the system. We're not going to know the answer. Um, until you know we find ourselves in a position whereby we've got a lot more evidence um the statistics for instance that i talked about yesterday i was very careful one of the things i was quite frustrated about in what comments i got yesterday is that people seem to suggest that i was using the statistics for a purpose that i wasn't i said on the show yesterday that these statistics are not conclusive these statistics are only informative because all we've got is three gains worth of evidence in fact i reckon if i scroll in the chat box i can probably see a, a comment Oh, would you look at literally within five comments? LJ's perfectly produced this for me. Tom, to be fair, the stats you used were fallacious. Great word. Uh, a more fair comparison is to compare the first three games of this season to the first three games of last season. Can't compare three games to 38 games as a sample. Now, I disagree with this firstly because you play three different teams in those three different games. And so that's very, very different. Um, you also have different players in that system. I think it's much better to compare how a new system entirely looks across an average of those 38 games to see if we're moving on from last season, not moving on from the first three games because so much more football was played after those first three games. So it'd be disingenuous to just use those three games. And as I've said before, those statistics that I used yesterday were informative. They weren't fallacious. <laughs> we can all use big words. Um, they weren't disingenuous and they weren't misleading. 
None of those things. The statistics of those three games, what they provide is insight. They are informative. They are not the beyond end all. You can't make any conclusions from them, really. Um, it's to do more so with an indication of what Arsenal are doing. It's that we can see what we're seeing with our eyes, but there's something ultimately underneath bubbling away that is, for me, a bit of a coiled spring with this team. Um, and I think that over a longer period of time, we hopefully will see that replicated in greater wins and more victories and more goals. And for me, if we remove the the mistakes and if we're better at finishing, you know, the things that we're doing right now, you know, I remember watching Arsenal under Arteta at the, at the start of his tenure, you know, in games like Burnley at home, Aston Villa at home, uh, Everton away. Um, you know, that season when we finished eighth, you know, the full campaign that Arteta had in that first half of the season, we were dreadful. We had that run of 10 games where the only game we won was against Man United. You know, in those games, Burnley were better than us. Aston Villa were better than us. We didn't deserve to win any of those games in that run of 10 fixtures besides the Man United game. And even then that was questionable. Like we didn't deserve to be picking up points. You look at that compared to what we're doing now and the three games that we've played so far this season, we've deserved to win all three of them. And sadly, we've, we've dropped points in one of them because of mistakes that you look very similar to the Southampton game. That Southampton game last season, by the way, I know people draw comparisons because we conceded very early on in that Southampton game. We did the same thing in this game. I don't think we deserve to win that game against Southampton personally, the 3-3. I think Southampton produced enough and scored plenty of goals in that game, the three that they did, that demonstrated that Southampton were worthy of something in that game. Now, for me, the Fulham game is different. Even though they got the two goals, which comes from a corner and obviously a mistake, I think they're very, very different. I think the performance is very different. We barely gave Fulham a sniff, you know, throughout the entire game. Similar to Nottingham Forest, we barely gave Forest a sniff in the entire game. And Palace only had really good opportunities once we'd gone down to 10 men. We deserve to win those three games. And because of that, I'm very encouraged by what we've seen so far. I'm not panicking. And I think that what overall what we're seeing is a team that are moving or trying to evolve, trying to utilize as much of the squad as possible. They're not using it all. And that's still something I think we can do better with Gabriel and Smithrow and players like that. Hopefully Gabriel Jesus coming back into the fold as well is going to be a big plus. And losing Timber, let's not forget, it's been a really big blow. Like all the all the preseason, like people talk about how last preseason, you know, you think about how we took preseason last year and we used preseason to inform the start of last season. So we had that momentum from preseason going into those games uh, against Crystal Palace um, and then whoever was the next two games. Uh, my memory is not that great. But obviously the games that we played against Sevilla, against Orlando, against Everton, against Chelsea um, and a couple of others, Nuremberg, of course, as well, that we won. Those games, I think it was five, that we played really informed the start of last season. And what we, we what did we notice about how we used preseason, including the Community Shield? We noticed that Urien Timber was absolutely integral to the planning and the preparations for the brand new season for our build-ups. Zinchenko wasn't available. And so going into this new season, Timber was going to be a massive part of that. And I think that actually we've forgotten very quickly that we suddenly don't have him. And all the attention has turned to Partey and to Havertz and the issues that people believe in some ways. In some ways, really do genuinely highlight some of the issues that do exist. But I think the losing Timber at the start of the season, when there was so much preparation surrounding him and that role and what he was doing, has ultimately affected things. Um, and so ultimately, I think that that is going to be 
something that we have to get over in these next few games. And I think Arteta has tried to do that with this system. And to some degree, I really, really do uh, think that this is a coiled spring of a side that is going to, you know, hopefully explode in some really, really good performances. That said, I do think we need to be malleable. I do think we need to change the system slightly for the Man United game because I think you need to be able to change things um, for different opponents. The Man United are a different opponent. So I would like to see Rice and Partey in the middle. I would like to see White and Zinchenko back in the fullback positions and Gabriel return to the side. That's that's what's most important. Uh, Owen, Owen says, I hate when he proves my comments wrong before I even reading them. Uh, what did Owen say? Um... Owen says, why weren't these changes worked on in preseason? Ah, there you go. <laughs> because Timber was hugely part of those preparations, Owen, as I say. Yeah, we we focused so heavily and, and Timber was such an important part of things. You know, that, yeah. And didn't Gabriel start the Community Shield game um, against Man City? I'm pretty sure he did. And Timber was obviously left of him. And then we had White and... Um, White part, oh, sorry, Partey was in the midfield with Rice and you had White and then Timber was left back. You know, yes, we changed things and Timber was available for that game against Nottingham Forest. But also remember that we conceded that goal against Forest after Timber got injured. You know, we were 2-0 up, we were dominating. I think we were on for, you know, if Timber would have maintained that position, we'd been a bit rocked by his absence, the fact that he was taken off. I think we probably would have gone on to win that game very comfortably. And then we've had to really change things. Um it's something that I've not even really thought about, actually. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that it has come to me this morning, the the timber situation. Um, because I think maybe that's something that we're not talking about. Um, and so maybe that means that we, we should be talking about the timber uh, omission, not omission, that's the wrong word, the timber absence um, more than we have done. So yeah, I think that's probably a, a fair point that we've come up with together um, because you guys spark things in my mind as I'm talking. Um, Steve says, exactly, Tom, we are working on a plan B preseason, uh, but due to Timber's injury, we are now on maybe plan C. Uh, AFC Cape says, at least you're admitting the system needs to change. It needs tweaks. It needs to change in terms of, you know, improvements. You know, I think it needs to change in terms of, the opposition you're coming up against. You know, I wanted Partey to be at right back for the game against Fulham. You know, that was my preference. I talked about that in the preview show that we did the other day. I wanted Partey to continue there because I think the system has helped us to dominate games. Ultimately, mistakes are the reason why we didn't pick up the points that we got and because of poor finishing. So whilst I'm admitting, yes, that, that some changes are needed and tweaks are needed, I think that that's more to do with reactions from losing timber and also to minimise the number of mistakes and to maximise the chances that we create for ourselves as well. Um, let's go to... Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Lens says, uh, Tom, how much do you rate our depth in the back line? Lens, by the way, is a brilliant drum bass artist if you haven't checked her out. Um, Tom says, how much do you rate our depth in the back line? Do I rate it after Timber's injury? There is fragilities. Left back, you know, we've got Zinchenko, Tomiyasu, Kivio. Good depth. Left centre-back, we've got Gabriel, Kivior, and Tomiyasu. Uh, and Saliba, now he's playing there. At right centre-back, we've got Saliba, we've got um, White, and we've got um, Tomiyasu, again, that can also play there. And at right-back, we've got um, Partey now. Um, we've got uh, Ben White. We've got Tomiyasu uh, that can also play there. And, you know, some people have been calling out for Raw Waters, who's been very impressive for the youth sides and I think maybe should be in the cup competitions, at least given chances as well. But I really want to see us sign someone in the defensive area. We need another defender. I agree with Tyrell. Between now and the end of the window, 
I'd like us to bring in another defender because oh, Cedric as well. Sorry, Phil. Yes, Cedric is still here. Uh, and so is Tavares. <laughs> and so is Holding. But we need to make sure that we bring somebody in. For me, on the right-hand side, I'd love a Simakan. I'd love a Benjamin Henricks. I'd love one of these. Henricks in particular is really interesting because he can also play left-back. So, you know, he's got that ability to in- invert on the left-hand side. That's going to be really key. Um, so we need to bring somebody in. And as I've said before, I will be disappointed if we don't bring another defender in because I think that is so key. It will take a window that was nine out of 10 prior to Timber's injury for me down to a seven and a half, seven, just over seven, because you have to react. We've made money in the window. We know how amortization works now. You know, you think about the money that we've made, you know, upwards of 70 million pounds has been brought in this summer. We're probably going to bring in more before the season closes. We've made money from the uh, the Tini Low. We've made money from the Mavropanos uh, and Genduzi sales to, to sell-on clauses. I, I think there's freedom for us to do business, but Arsenal will always say that they can't bring somebody in until they find the right player. For me, I think the right players are out there. I think there are options. Uh, I think we missed out on Kudus. Um, and I think that we should be trying to sign a defender between now and the end of the window. And as I say, yeah, to repeat myself one more time, I will be very disappointed if we don't bring in somebody between now and deadline day. Um, Nexus says, Tom, so overloading the midfields is the way to go. Uh, How long before we get found out with the formation? Overloading midfields is something that Arsenal have done for a long time. Another thing that we've done a lot is overload the wide areas. Creating overloads in different positions is really beneficial. Yes, it can be vulnerable, but if you're if you're very good at holding onto the ball, which to be fair to Arsenal, you know, they are one of the best teams in the league at holding onto the ball. Yes, they sometimes lose it, like any team does, but Arsenal lose it less so than I feel than others. The problem with Arsenal is it seems that when we lose the ball, we're more vulnerable than other teams are, which is really frustrating. But actually, we're one of the best teams are holding on to the ball. So it's actually good to create overloads in different positions because it means you outnumber your opponent. It means that you often have a spare man running into space, which often creates opportunities to score, especially in wide areas. And that's one thing I think that some people are maybe overlooking is people are saying that Partey at right back means that Saka's not getting the same support. I would recommend re-watching Ben Wyatt's performance and seeing how often he does actually support Bakaya Saka because I think it's more than people are giving the team credit for. I think Ben White still does overlap and does support um, Saka. So I think that's something to look out for. Overloads are important, but you have to, you know, you have to ultimately be uh, astute and good at defending when um, when we do that. Owen says, I feel like we've been overcrowding more than overloading at times. And maybe that's a maybe that's a bit of a misconception about how teams are defending against us, and you have to go up against a low block overloading does look like overcrowding and I get that um but I think overloads are our biggest threat at times um as well as our counter-attack when we can use it to the best of our ability what we have to come to the realization is sadly is that teams are going to play low blocks again it's are going to defend deep and that the only way to really break through that is to sometimes create overloads with a spare man with some quick, slick passing. And thankfully, we've got players like Erdegaard who can do that. I found it laughable, people that were criticizing Erdegaard's performance against Fulham. It was so important to what we were doing on the day. Some of his passes were sublime. Yes, he was taking some shots from outside the box or from range, and that was frustrating people. I get that. But he was also really responsible for some of the biggest plays that we had during that game that were really, really important. Um overloads for me is still always going to be the way forwards for Arsenal. Still the best way to create opportunities, especially against teams, as I say, that create these and and defend in low blocks 
they are going to be very important. So despite it looking like overcrowding at times, Owen, I still think overloads are our most threatening um, option in attack with the, the, the talent that we've got up top in those situations. Um, Kirill says, Tom, haven't teams played low blocks against Arsenal for over 15 to 20 years? To some degree, yes, but there were times, and especially during the end of Arsene Wenger's era, especially during Unai Emery's era, and at the start of Arteta's era, that there weren't. Think about how many chances we gave up to teams under Unai Emery. It was, it was a thing. Like Unai Emery's tenure was known for other teams getting 15 to 20 chances at goal against us. Like Often, we would have an equal number of chances, sometimes less chances than teams in the bottom half of the table under Unai Emery because his style welcomed attacks to try and then get spaces in behind and hit on the counter ourselves because we had so much pace with um, Martinelli to some degrees when he first came in, Bamiang, of course, um, the, the fullbacks that we had, like Bellerin still there at the time, um, Kalasinac, Tierney, um, you know, we had a lot of pace in wide areas. And so we used that under Emery to try and like, you know, and now you look at the new team that he's got, you look at Watkins speed, Diaby's speed, Bailey's speed, you know, um, the, the, the options that they've got. And it's no surprise that they want Tavares and that he's being linked to Aston Villa because Emery is so much about inviting pressure in some ways and then hitting your opponent like he did with us, uh, with Villarreal as well in the Europa League. So, Whilst, yes, we've defended against low blocks for quite a while, but I would say that there was so many times where, especially during the eras that I talked about, we invited a lot of pressure and other teams had loads of chances. And if you look at the amount of chances that opposition teams have against us now, we are limiting those chances. The problem is, is Fulham had three shots on target, scored two. We have to stop that. That's, that's the problem we have now, is that we are giving up too many high-quality chances or we're not defending well enough low quality chances that are leading to goals. And, you know, that again leads into the mistakes that, that we're making at the back. Um, we are going to round the show off there. We've been going for 50 minutes. I did promise you we've gone for a bit longer today because I was doing shorter shows over the weekend. Apologies for the slight audio issue earlier on in the show. I'm really, I don't, I'm struggling with that because it's really frustrating. I don't really know how to solve it. I've updated drivers. I've updated everything. The laptop's brand new still for me. You know, it's one of the best laptops I've ever used. Um, I'm hoping that it's going to sort itself out. I've used different microphones. I've tried everything. Any suggestions, always feel free to leave them in the comment section. Drop me a DM if you have any thoughts. But yeah, it's very annoying. <laughs> very annoying indeed. Um, it seems to just be a, like, I think it's StreamYard. I'm I'm, a, I'm so certain it's StreamYard, but it is what it is. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. And uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully um, bringing good news in tomorrow's show. Have a great day and uh, stay safe, stay well. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates are out, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.